0: I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness.
1: I'm Shelly Shearer, author of Urban Fantasies and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Join us as we explore
0: the expanding universe of indie books. (laughs) Welcome back to Indie Book Talk. (laughs) Today we're doing another episode of Indie Book Class, where we teach you all the things you need to know to be an amazing independent author. That was... Yeah, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing today. But <laughs> we are on it.
1: We got this.
0: On it. Okay. But specifically, the little bit that we're going to talk about today is getting to know your characters. And for pantsers like us, that is a process, a very
1: convoluted process, to be sure. <laughs>
0: It usually starts sometime around the first idea and ends sometime around after you publish the book and somebody goes, I really liked how the character blah, 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 blah. And you go, oh, that's nice.
1: <laughs> and sometimes they just pop right out at you. You're typing along and then suddenly there's Barb. You're like, hey, Barb.
0: <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I like your zebra print tracksuit. What yeah. you it? Exactly. That is lovely. <laughs> I don't know why, but when you said, Barb, I pictured like zebra print tracksuit and she has like, you know how old ladies dye their hair and it gets that like tinge of of, like the, the like slight reddish tinge, but that's not what they meant. Yeah. Anyway. So if you're, if you're a plotter, you would have this all worked out in
1: advance. You would have your character, you would do like. Research on your character. I'm sure Emma has a ton of great ideas of how you do that. I know a lot of people do like character interviews, quote unquote, to get to know their character. What do you normally do?
0: Yeah, uh, in my mind, there's like a couple of different ways you can get to know a character that you can work from the inside out or the outside in. So if you're working from the outside in, which is how a lot of people start. You start with like the the kind of basic things, you know, so you may know their name. You might not. You may know that they're a particular gender or a particular race or about how old they are, like kind of the the demographic things that you would know that are that are surface level things about a person.
1: And those help being based on the genre you're writing. Obviously, if you're writing Young Adult, you're not going to have a book full of senior citizens. Right. I mean, so that kind of tells you at some point what your characters are going to be, or at least the start.
0: Yeah, and it makes sense a lot of times, you know, if you know that the story is in a particular setting, um, you can kind of jump to some wild conclusions about who your characters would have to be in order to be in that setting at that time. You know, if you're writing high fantasy and your character is a knight, there are some characteristics that person likely has. And you can subvert those things, but it, you know, it kind of starts to create boundaries around who they might be so that you can either choose to lean into who society says they should be or you can lean away from it and see what happens.
1: And as far as their look, you can choose that in any way. I mean, you can look at old photos. I know some people look at old black and white photos to kind of get an idea in their mind or Pinterest boards. A lot of people do Pinterest boards and put their ideas on there. That way they have a visual of their person, even though it's not a real person.
0: Some people use real people, like they cast their whole book with celebrities or something too.
1: I do that to some extent, like kind of the generic ideas. The grandmother in my urban fantasy monster hunter is kind of a Helen Mirren per- character. Just you
0: know.
1: <laughs> Oh my God, I can totally picture that. So that's who I picture in my brain while I'm writing her. You know, just a kick-ass... Older woman, not taking anything.
0: (laughs) I tend to um, base my character's physical characteristics on real people that I know. So almost every character I have, I can point to someone in my real life. I'm like, they look like that person. (laughs) And that's because I... I'm not super awesome at visualizing what people look like. Mm-hmm. I tend to like my perception of you is not what, you're, what you physically look like. It's like a collection of things I believe about you or right. like, the, like the vibe you give me. Mm-hmm. So that's not super helpful when you are trying to describe a character. But that's all surface stuff. So let's get into the vibey stuff, like the deeper stuff. So you can use the surface stuff to dig into the deeper stuff sometimes. So there's an example I use when I'm talking to high school students about this. If your character is a 16-year-old girl in medieval England, they should be very different. And they're going to be very different just naturally from a 16-year-old girl who is a member of a native tribe living in Maine in 2021. Mm Mm-hmm. So sometimes if you think about where the person is and, and who the person is on the surface, that affects who they are internally to a certain degree. And you can start to, like, ask yourself questions about, well, in this situation, what would this person believe and what would they do and why would they do it that way?
1: And what does their world look like to them?
0: Right. How how are they experiencing this world?
1: And remember, all the characters in your book are going to be experiencing that exact same world differently, so a 16-year-old is going to experience it far differently than, you know, a 40-year-old butcher down the road. It, it's the same world, but they're experiencing it on whole different levels.
0: And even your, I mean, in the book I'm working on now, I have three characters who are all about the same age. Two of them are girls and one of them is a boy and they, two of them are siblings. They're, so there's like some some heavy overlaps in terms of, how they see the world and how they think and how they talk. But there's also some marked differences. Olivia is very, um, she's like the, the the good girl, the rule follower. She wants to get the good grades. She, you know, comes in early to work on stuff. She she writes five-page research papers with an entire sheet of, of sources. She's <laughs> that girl, right? And then her brother, who she is- She's not my people. Right. (laughs) I love her, but she's not my people either. Um, Her brother, who is only a year older than her and goes to the same school, he's way more laid back and he likes art and he's a lot more kind of chill and not getting stressed out about things. And so what's fun about that is putting the two of them in the same room and seeing what happens. Mm -hmm. Because when two people who are different enough, even if they they share surface characteristics that are the same. If they're different enough internally, it can be really fun to kind of smash them together and see what happens.
1: Right. And even in your own character, like the the one character, make sure you're not making them too perfect. Give Mm -hmm. them growth. Give them something broken, a flaw, a fear, and not just one. I mean, make them a rounded person. It doesn't have to come up all the time, but just you knowing that that is part of that person. And it may not even come up till like book three, but... You know, their fear of, I don't know, drowning might show up randomly, but you'll have always known that they have that fear in them.
0: I feel like the big trope, and I don't know why this sticks in my head as the trope, because I can't actually say, ah, uh, that book, that's where I read it. <laughs> but the big trope in my mind is like the the hero who's like a knight or a or a superhero or like a super intense badass kind of character who's afraid of heights. Oh, yeah. I don't know why being afraid of heights is, like, the tropey one in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is. It's just the one that comes to mind anytime I think of, like, what flaw could you give a character? Oh, i afraid <laughs> of heights. And I think it's because it's really easy to put them in a situation where they have to be up high and be frightened about it. But mm-hmm. anyway, the point is, yes, you don't want them to be too perfect. You do want them to have flaws. And their flaws should also make sense to who they are. So, a like... This 16 year old girl in medieval England, she's probably not afraid of cars, right? Like she's never seen one. <laughs> you don't know. She, she might be. <laughs> she's also Probably not afraid of tigers because she didn't. She's never seen one. Right. So you, she's you know, probably you're afraid
1: happy. of where her next meal might be coming from, perhaps.
0: Right. So, like, their their fears, their flaws, they should arise from who they are. You know that that Olivia that I was talking about. She's super intense. Her fears and flaws are things like being too intense Mm -hmm. or, you know, you can take something that might be seen as a good quality, like, uh, she, you know, she's conscientious and she, she does her work really well and she cares a lot about her work. You can turn that into a bad thing if they take it too far. Mm -hmm. Any, any good characteristic can become problematic if taken to extremes. And that can be really interesting.
1: And if you can't think of the traits or flaws or fears or whatever you want to put in your character, there are a ton of online character generation things where you can just randomly have a few things come up and then do that a few times and put them, you know, the, the two alternating things together in your brain and be like, well, maybe this would be a good character. or Maybe that would fit him
0: and just play with it.
1: That way you're not always having to come up with it on your own. You can maybe get ideas that would never even occurred to you that would still work perfectly.
0: Just be aware that sometimes when you're searching things like phobias, you will come across stuff that you're like, that's not a phobia, that is a legit fear. And I'm also now afraid of that, even though I didn't know it existed before I did this. And
1: for fears, I took a a horror class recently, and they recommended, you know, make sure you have two fears if you're doing like a horror type thing. So, like, someone that's afraid of going outside but is also claustrophobic. Ooh. You know What kind of horror can you make from something like that? So it's not just one fear. Have it compounded with something else that could overlap or in some way that it makes sense that, you know, you can really build up tension.
0: You can also build up tension by having your character not be afraid of something that other people are. Mm-hmm. There was a short story I wrote that actually, I never really finished, but I, I wrote a, I started writing this short story. Well, you know, I wrote like a first draft and then kind of got tired of it and moved on. But the uh-huh. character, um, was a, like a younger girl who her sister, this is gonna sound, it actually goes right along with the other books that I actually have written. Um, mm-hmm. her sister had, had died in a drowning accident. Mm-hmm. And so her, the, the girl's mother was like obsessive about not letting the girl, near water. Hmm. So like she wouldn't let her take a bath. She had to take a shower and she, she like wouldn't let her go to the local swimming pool and she wouldn't, you know, even like a fountain, she'd get like nervous. So other people's fears can affect your characters. And that can be interesting. If your character either doesn't feel that fear or doesn't understand why it's scary, it can be fun to play with. Definitely.
1: But I know a lot of people out there, the rules quote unquote out there Especially for people who are more plotters, they'll tell you like, you have to have this entire like dossier on your character. And that's not true. You can, you can write it and not even have a name, just have a an idea of what you're writing. And then the character might come to life more for you as you're writing the plot, the the story out.
0: I have literally never had a character sketch or like, like full character profile before I started ever. Ever. So I hereby give all permission for anyone who wants to just start writing the damn thing. It's like I get dinged by my husband
1: when we're doing a D&D game. He's like, well, what's your character's backstory? I'm like, uh-huh. how am I supposed to know that till we start playing? I will tell you when I'll we get you know there. Her- yeah. After we get working a little bit, I'll be like, well, this is what happened to her. I don't know now. I just met the woman. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And So the, the other uh, angle that I like to come at this from, and probably the mo- most common angle for me, is to work from the inside out. So I start mm-hmm. with the fear or the conflict or the concern, and then I build a person around that. So mm-hmm. in Assembling Ella, the main character... Her whole thing, like the point of the story, is that her brother died 11 years ago, and she is a teenager reaching the age when her brother died. So she's like surpassed mm-hmm. him in age. That is a really hard time, and it's a great point to, to pivot a story on, but I didn't know anything really about her. Mm-hmm. I knew her as a six-year-old because she'd p- appeared in the first book, but... A, the difference between a six-year-old and a seventeen-year-old <laughs> very yeah, different. Totally different person, yeah. So, uh, you know i I started building her from the inside out. From okay, I know this one fact about her. What might that mean? Mm-hmm. And so she started as I am writing the story. She developed into somebody who was like she doesn't like to drive in cars. She won't. Mm-hmm. She refuses to get her driver's license because her brother died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And she actually makes the the comment that if her brother had died by drowning, she nobody would make her become an Olympic swimmer. So why is everybody trying to make her get a driver's license? Mm-hmm. And those sorts of things that kind of build out. And so then I have that, and that then who else is that person? She know she needs a way to express herself. So she's an artist, and what kind of art does she do? Well. She's kind of – she just seems like a quirky person, so it's probably not – like she's probably not doing watercolor or something. And mm-hmm. so she ends up being an assembly artist and, like, making sculptures out of plastic and broken toys. Mm-hmm. And all of that builds out of that one little piece of I knew this one fact about her, this mm-hmm. one internal struggle she had. So you can work in both directions.
1: You did all kinds of building for that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes <laughs> and and maybe you, you're not great on building characters yet and that's totally cool you know that all takes time um, try people watching and, and put that person you're watching into a story and see where it goes from there and then imagine things that happen with that person Emma you already have a great idea of you know who your people are and the arc of the story but for maybe like a first draft or the first person sitting down they'll need a bit more you know Visual cues,
0: yeah, and ultimately it's about what what direction does your brain work, right? Do you look Do you look at a picture of someone and go, "Man, I wonder who that person is," and then try to build something out of that, or do you start with like a plot idea and then figure out what characters fit that plot, or are you just super? We talked to a, a, an author who she was really excited about a particular period of history. And so mm-hmm. then she had to find the characters that fit in that period of history. And all of those ways of building a character are correct, right? There's, yes, there's, there's no, no wrong. wrong way. Exactly. As
1: long as you have a well-rounded character, if, if you just have a flat character that can do no wrong, um, you know, no one wants to read that. You got to get us invested in that person. We have to care about what happens to them. And sometimes that's even the bad guy. You can care about what happens to the bad guy, but you have to care about what's going on, or you lose the reader.
0: Right, right. And I would argue that your bad guy absolutely has to have other qualities. Right. That we're we're way past most people are way past the he's evil because he's evil. Right. right? That we want to know well why is he evil? What happened to him? What what made him this way? And who's he nice to?
1: Right. I mean, even in the really dark stuff, it's because he was, you know, severely abused as a child and then you have a little bit of empathy, but I mean, obviously he's still the evil bad guy, but you know why now. So there's there's stuff in there. It's not just a oh I'm just evil and I do evil things
0: because Right, right. No character in your story should be one dimensional unless they're on the page as a plot device. Like every once in a while you need, you know, the clerk at the store who makes a witty comment or like Right, You know, the character you never see again, but they're there just to trip your character into traffic or whatever it is that's going to happen. That was a really dark direction.
1: <laughs> I was thinking the red shirt guy, so, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yes. Yeah. Sometimes you need somebody to be the first guy who gets killed on the alien planet. And that guy can be fairly bland. He's still in one dimension, two dimensions. You know, he doesn't have to pop off the page. But everyone else, secondary characters bad guys they should all have nuance and they should all have depth all of that being said that that may not be there on the first draft and that's totally fine you may if you're like us be building the character as you build the story and so in the beginning you kind of have a flat character and then by the end you know who they are and you can go back and sort of add some of that back into the beginning there's no right moment to do this as long as it's sometime before you actually go to print yeah.
1: Before you hit publish, <laughs> make sure there's some nuances in there. <laughs> that's what your beta readers and stuff are for as well. They can tell you if you're falling a little flat.
0: Yeah, and they will. If you have good beta readers, they will they will look at a cast of amazing characters and they will focus on that one gray one in the back who you didn't color in. Because that's what beta readers do and we love them for it.
1: Yeah, they'll be like, This person here? No. <laughs> I never cared if she lived or died. Don't care. So obviously that person needs a little bit more oomph.
0: Yeah. So I guess the last thing in building characters is a a word of caution for those of you who do know your characters really well when you start. And that word of caution is don't tell us everything up front. Do not info dump everything about your character in the first chapter.
1: Yes. We don't need to know what her favorite doll's name was when she was seven.
0: Unless that's the point.
1: (laughs) Unless this whole story is about a haunted doll. In which case, yes, we need
0: to know that. (laughs) Creepy Lucinda comes to play. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So like you mentioned it earlier, actually, when you were talking about uh, role playing games and your husband saying, well, who is this person? What's her backstory? And you didn't know because you just met her. That's how you're thinking about your characters. This is somebody that your reader is just meeting. So you don't want to dump the entire storyline on them. Because can you imagine if someone did that to you in real life? They were just like, it's like let me tell you all my hopes, fears, dreams, and ambitions. <laughs> and also what I ate for breakfast yesterday. And like, no, no. Please sit down while I tell you my deepest, darkest secrets. Come on, let me have some coffee. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I know we just met, but I just feel the need to tell you literally everything about myself in three paragraphs. Thank you.
1: Here, let me just hand you my resume. Just here. <laughs>
0: So yeah, don't do not do that to, to readers. It, it's off-putting and it's a little bit like scary almost. Like it's like overwhelming. <laughs> uh, sprinkle it in where it's appropriate. Let us know details as they become relevant, which actually uh, that's the one place where I think that pantsers have an advantage here is that because we don't know the facts until they become relevant, we can't info dump. <laughs> <laughs> I have no info
1: to dump. Yeah, we have nothing. We're like, you're getting what I have.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At this point, I know their name and that's all I got. So we'll figure it out together. So I hope that that's helpful. If you want more on this, let us know. We will put a little thing in on Spotify. They let us now ask questions and and get information from you. So we'll give you the opportunity to, you know, Give us information as well and see what other topics you want to talk about Uh, on the other social platforms. I don't know that they do that as much, but you can always find us on Twitter and say hi and tell us what you want to hear about.
1: And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe.
0: Yeah. Thanks.